Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania, Portugal. So Portugal is an old nation, rich in tradition, culture and history. It's a nation of explorers and travellers such as Magellan and Vasco da Gama. My guest for this episode is Sergio, who grew up in a small village in the mountains of Portugal and describes himself as adventurous. And it was partly this adventurous spirit that brought him to Bernie on the northwest coast of Tasmania, where he now works as a child psychologist. So what brought him here? And how does life in Bernie differ from that in a traditional Portuguese village? Let's find out. I I came to Australia first thing 13 years ago and I lived in Sydney and then I moved a few years later I moved to uh, Far North Queensland and then I moved here. So I'm first I, I came to Australia first to study and that was my main reason so I never thought I would stay that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah over the years I finished my studies and then I wanted to be a permanent resident so I have to work towards that goal and then I gained citizenship and then I started working as a as a psychologist and I was coming to Tasmania was just a matter of uh, wanting to do something different and um, mm-hmm. we we thought because we came here for for holidays and we rented a van mm-hmm. <laughs> it was kind of a bit of adventure but um was very very nice and we saw wow this is so beautiful we should come and live in Tasmania so then months later we were here was as simple as that i applied for a job i got the job and i was right here. yeah i didn't have a clue about honestly when i came here for holidays i didn't come this way actually we didn't mm-hmm. come to uh, northwest so it was a little bit a new uh experience coming to, to this without knowing what was going to be like but um yeah i say why not let's give it a go um tell me about wh- where did you grow up actually i grew up in portugal and i i really feel i should say where portugal is because many people <laughs> don't know <laughs> so portugal is this very very little country uh really close to spain in a corner there with spain uh yeah so that's what i grew up uh in the mountains in the north interior first and then i moved to porto which is the second biggest city in portugal yeah that's where i did all my studies and yeah. okay so as a child you lived more in the inland area yes more in the more a bit more remote okay like in between the mountains was um, and only then i moved to a bigger city yeah. so what what was the, the environment like for you growing up there as a, as a child bush is a very traditional very um conservative conservative country and and you can see them more in those little villages in in the mountains more than you can see in the big cities so yeah growing up was uh, i was raised by my grandparents there um doing you know all, all the little farming things so portugal is not um we don't see a lot of people doing big farming business sort of thing is more mm-hmm. than domestic more for um you know to be used in at, at home yeah. so my grandparents sort of uh that job they had basically just uh working in that gardens and, and little farm and that's what i grew up with along the cows and and the pigs and and uh the chooks and all of that so that's a very very remote but beautiful what would have been your strongest memory of that that time of your life 
Well, I remember my grandfather went milking the cows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Actually, I remember that I was little, little uh, ah, maybe five. For me to have a memory, I probably was around that. And I was trying to do the same, and the cow didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I sort of uh, just uh, <laughs> did something, and I just threw me away like two or three meters, and, and was, I was crying, and my grandfather was laughing, actually, because oh, he, was, he was telling me how to do things, and I wasn't doing properly, so the cows know that. <laughs> yeah. So that was a funny memory, but yeah, so many, so many good memories growing up in nature. Mm. Growing up uh, with uh, just the daily, the daily um, work in, in a farm, waking up and going to feed the animals and do or growing potatoes uh, mm. so, and, and, and play with the other kids. The, I think one really good thing about growing in small villages like that is that you, you have the freedom just to go in with your uh, friends and nobody's mm -hmm. after you because it might be dangerous or, or you just go in the bush and play and so that was that beautiful um, experience growing up I would help around yes uh, as long as wasn't very heavy work for mm -hmm. my age so yeah. they, they were always very mindful of that but um, yeah I would go with my grandfather with the cows he didn't have a lot of cows I remember three maybe and it was just basically for milk and one really uh, iconic animal i think is donkey you see a lot of donkeys uh in the remote portugal and mm. that village was one of them so my my grandfather used to have uh, one or two donkeys and uh so yeah i used to just be and grow around the, that kind of um environments so did they just grow enough for them themselves to eat or yeah did, only yeah. to occasionally they would probably earlier on I don't think it was in my time yet, but earlier on they would probably exchange or, or sell mm -hmm. for a bit of money. And my grandfather used to sell cows sometimes. Okay. So you would go a cow and sell for money. Yeah. But not not a big business, not uh, for that purpose to sell. It was more for uh, consumption. At, at, at yeah. yeah, so more sort of just self, self-sufficiency. Yes. Yeah. That kind of thing. And so what, kind of, what kind of things did they, they, they grow apart from potatoes? Yeah, just the the veggies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say just that veggie kind of thing because they wouldn't do big things like corn or, or nothing like that. Where they like they would need a lot of machinery. You wouldn't see a lot of machinery. It would be very hard to say manual, very uh, yeah. old fashioned, if you want. Like my, my my grandfather never had a tractor, for instance. There were others who would have, but um, would be always by hand if you had mm -hmm. to uh, do the work. Uh, so would be carrots, would be um, potatoes, would be uh, lettuce, uh, these kind of things. My grandfather used to grow uh, hay as well because of the animals, okay. to feed the animals. So that was a big one too. And there would be a big party day, for instance, when um, there was a need to harvest the hay. Mm -hmm. He would invite the whole community. Okay. And that's how the, the community would help each other is... If my grandfather would need that, so the whole community would come the whole day and harvest and do the whole thing, and then my father would go and help the others too. So there was that sense of community and helping each other. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that too, being there in very little and being with the, with the whole community working in the field. Because the roads wouldn't be very good back then and for you to travel even to the nearest city would take a little while so people wouldn't travel much yeah 
uh, my grandparents very rarely left the village actually right. so because that's how they lived back then and and yeah it's a small country but yeah. still they they didn't travel much and i guess if you're you're growing your own vegetables and providing your own food you don't really have such a reason to go anywhere no no and and it's also a matter of mo- the way it's different these days of course but mm. uh, again portugal is a very um conservative country and is was is a very old country still yeah yeah there is a big development in the last few years but up until well, well let's say 20 30 years ago many people wouldn't even have cars to travel and and mm. would be um yeah people would 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 stay more locally. They they wouldn't go to many places. It's different now, but there's still a lot of old people who still do that, and they never travel to the nearest city. For instance, they stay there. They just stay there. So I mean, do do many people still live live like that? The the old people do, mm-hmm. um, and that that's what we are experiencing now in Portugal is a lot of people live in the cities and less and less in those little villages, like in the in in, in those mountains, because there are no jobs, as you can imagine, for the younger people. And the, the old people still do that, to uh, cultivate that little, uh, little fields there just, just for domestic use. But that's all you can do, really, in those small villages. That is, that is no other kind of job. And it's getting, as, as the old people uh, die, it's, it's getting more um, desert, uh, deserted. You say yeah, deserted? yeah. Um, so... Yeah, and that's 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 why the government sometimes trying to, you know, encourage people to go there and try to bring more infrastructures for for yeah. for those. But you're still very very delayed when you compare to other countries who could be or have been in that kind of situation. But you're still very delayed. Yeah. The funny thing is that in in the in parts of Tasmania now, like in south of Hobart, there's people who are going there to live in that to have that kind of lifestyle to be able to grow their own vegetables and be self-sufficient it's yeah it's becoming a popular lifestyle choice yeah and um well actually because of covid (laughs) (laughs) there was a big um search for that kind of places during that time i remember when i was calling my family and they were telling me about what was happening in the country and they say yeah i think that people are living as we saw here i think live in the cities and go but as soon as things got better because there was no jobs that's mm. you know people realized it's not uh, viable to stay there without having jobs and of course they can say that but um and and another thing is young people who have financial conditions they can now choose to go there and have a country home where they can buy one of those really old because in push you have really old old stone uh, houses yeah. really very yeah. very very old very beautiful we of course need a bit of work so what the young people do is they they buy very cheap probably because in very remote places you can buy very cheap places they they do the house a little bit and it's a, a holiday house and, and they go there for for weekends and because it's still very cheap to go to those to those places <laughs> Portugal is a very Catholic mm-hmm. country. He's mostly Catholic, uh, so I grew up in the in the in the Catholic environment. So there was a boarding school 
in that village. Okay. It's still there. But there are not many uh, children these days there. Mm. But they, they, this boarding school was, was a Catholic um, boarding school and still is, uh, run by nuns. Back then, the priest uh, there was, was the one managing, but not anymore. Now it's the nuns who run the place. And um, they have a nursery uh, home as well for the elderly. Uh, they have a kindergarten, but again, that is, that that is not a lot of. There are not a lot of children in that place, but they still run. So that's where I did my studies. That's where I did mm-hmm. my primary school with the nuns. So I would <laughs> I wouldn't stay there, of course, because it was just in in a village and it was just for um, girls. So it wasn't right. for boys. Right. So boys in in, in the village would have to go <laughs> attend the the school and then go back home. Of course, okay. just, just during the day, where some of the girls who didn't live in the village, would stay and, and, and sleep there. I did my primary there, and, and then I um, I went to another one for the seminary, and believe it or not, I was studying to be a priest. Yeah, right. <laughs> Again, yeah, actually, right. I can see that. I can see you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you look good in a cassock. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so I, I did that. I, um, so I lived in that little village until I was 12, and okay. then I went to the seminary. and um, I stayed there for a few years. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I never went back to that village to live. So my father mm-hmm. still lives there. And I go, I went there for visiting, of course, to, to weekends, but I never lived because then I lived in the, in the seminary, which was in another city. And then I, after that, I went high school uh, to another city and then Porto. That's when I did my uni. Was it a fairly small primary school? I'm just imagining yeah. that because it's a village. Yeah, small, um, I would say, oh, 20 students. Okay. 30 in a whole village. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so there was no need for two classrooms or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> Which, yeah very, very, very small. It was a bit more because of the boarding school, actually, because many mm-hmm. of the students were living in the boarding school, which was a lot for the disadvantaged kids, by the way. There was a lot of... Um, uh, children who uh, you know didn't have family to take care of, so they 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 had that funding to, to get okay. And so was there was there a big focus on religion, or was it more of a general education? Uh, actually, the teacher was not a nun, and okay. there was so would come from the big city uh, every day to to um, all right yeah. And actually, there was another one that lived in, in, in the village, but they were not connected with with the boarding school as such. They were just hired to, to teach. So the, the classes per se wasn't wasn't religious. Was more because I lived there um, since an early age, so I would I would attend a lot of events there, mm-hmm. and I would the nuns would ask me to do things. In ter- I was an altar boy, by the way, oh, right. because they would ask me, and and I, you know, I was a kid, and it was fun. Why not? Let's let's do it. It's something to do. So I was always involved with that because it was fun, because not because I had to do. Or, or, mm-hmm. um, so there there was a lot of um, I had a lot of connection with the nuns. They were always you know helpful, and and mm-hmm. they, I mean, they raised me, basically. You know, they, that's how it is. And, and um, but I don't think the religions part of it. It plays a role, of course, but it's also all the all the um, the characters of of, uh, of the personalities of people who help help and yeah. that helps to shape your personality. Yeah, and I I yeah I, th- I think I what I am today I, I own them a lot. 
So was was there anyone that you sort of remember from that time that really you felt had an influence on you, or, or that? Oh, some some of the nuns are still alive. Uh, okay. Some others have passed away, but um, two of them are actually alive, and I go and visit them every time I oh, go right. there. They they I mean they they again they raised me. They they know me since I was a baby, mm. uh, and and my parents would be somehow connected with them. So my my father was working construction he had a um, construction company and later aluminium doors and and windows so it's still his business today but he ended up doing a lot of work for the boarding school so we've right. always been somehow linked there some of the nuns are still alive and i i every time i go there f- to visit my father I go and pay them a visit and uh, they do uh, tell me a lot of stories they always laugh mm-hmm. and tell me stories that i you know used to when you're a kid always do these funny things and they always remind me of those funny <laughs> stories uh which well sometimes can be embarrassing right away but um but that's how it is and uh yeah i'll say a couple of nuns that are very very um still i i do uh, think about them every now and then uh other people would be just my friends that i grew up with you know so these days it's easy to be in touch with facebook and know what they're doing yeah but the village has since become smaller in population, mm. I mean, smaller and smaller. And I remember when I was growing up, there was such, uh, so, so much happening because there was more people. There was always people on the streets here and there. These days, is you can barely see someone there. Yeah. Uh, you go on the streets, you barely see someone. And the last time I went there, last late last year, it was funny because I saw, I was just walking in those streets beautiful streets and having a lot of memories and having my time in a lot of introspection yeah. you know, going through those streets and i bump into this old man and the old man started to talk to me and i didn't recognize him uh and he starts talking about this and i have to tell him what i'm i'm surgeon and say and he made oh i, I didn't recognize it and i didn't recognize him either because he was <laughs> younger back then yeah, and yeah. i was this old you know man and um it's it's a worry. We talk a lot in Portugal about how these little villages tend to disappear over time. Because mm. when these old people die, and then if no, if there is no infrastructure, young people won't go there and tend to disappear. Yeah, could be pretty sad. I mean, that's a bit of a trend around the world, I guess. With mm. more just young people aren't staying in those kind of areas. Yeah, it's hard to keep that. You know, they gravitate towards the cities and those mm. small country towns and villages they just become ghost ghost yes maybe it's that's just life but it's also a bit sad it is sad um because it's not just the people i mean it's the whole lifestyle that you're you've been describing to me yeah yeah um i actually know a little village uh not far from where i grew up and it's a village with no one actually it's Mm. it's happening already so it's really a ghost um, village because you just walk on the street and you see ru- ruins and because nobody takes care of the houses anymore so it's, it's happening in some of the remote places in Portugal my grandparents used to um, have pigs and there was again was another big day when they would kill the pigs mm. these days is a bit different though I think it's not legal Right. to kill the pigs at home although in those places they still do because mm. again they still come from that old-fashioned way of doing they carry on those tradition things yeah but um they probably would have some 
issues if they would, you know, if the authorities would go there. But sometimes what happens is because it's such a traditional thing, there is a bit of um, like they, they close a bit their eyes about that in some places. They wouldn't close their eyes in a big city, for instance, but in yeah. those little villages, they say it's just a tradition thing. So they um, they let it do this sometimes. So I grew up doing that, and, and the family would come for a whole day and it would be a big family day just to kill the pig uh, and do the whole thing, and prepare the pig, to prepare all the meats, and do, it would be a whole day thing. So it was uh, like a pie, family party day. And is that uh, done at a certain time of year? Yes, yes. I, I can't remember, but it would be more, more on the on the cold season. So uh-huh. I would guess maybe winter or autumn, something like that. Because I remember the cold. Yeah, and they would do all the, the whole thing so that the, the women would go and wash the, um, the intestines. I don't know what the specific names of it. And then it would be used to do the, you know, the chorizo, the, the, the sausages. sausages and all yeah. that. And, and the men will be cutting the, the meat and there was some alcohol was around yeah. those days. Yeah, and there was some domestic wine too. So my, my, both my grandparents would have vineyards and, and, have, and have their own wine. Yeah. They would right. do every year. Yeah. And again, it would be another big day, invited the community to go and and pick the grapes and the whole thing. And I remember still, I don't know if you know those real rock, I don't know the name where they put all the, the, the grapes and then you just walk on it oh, singing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> a, that's, yeah. that's the thing that Portugal is sort of famous for. Right? Yes. Is, is yes. The, the treading on the grapes. Yes, that's it. And, they, and the men would just be there and singing and it was such a big and beautiful party. And, and that's how they would uh, prepare all the grapes and uh, to do the wine. So I still remember vividly. Those, those memories. Soccer is probably one of the main things in Portugal. It just, um, the country stops. <laughs> and that is a big game. The whole country stops. So it's so big. It's it's the main sport. But people are really live, mm. literally, for soccer. It's, it's a, a big, big thing for people. And, and I think that's one of, the main things we, we are known for is is the soccer players like Cristiano Ronaldo and others in the past. And every time I um, say I'm Portuguese, I sometimes I hear many people say, "Oh, Cristiano Ronaldo." Yeah. Everybody, yes, everybody knows Ronaldo. Yeah. They don't always know where he's from, though. I've noticed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's sort of the symbol that sometimes tells people that exists a, a country called Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but of course, he's not the only. You know, famous Portuguese player, at least for me, anyway. No, no, there are others. But um, like in the past, there was Figo. Figo, yeah, Eusebio. Eusebio. And Portugal sort of punches above its weight in soccer, football as well. Yes. So it's 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 really the main sport. Of course, we have other sports, but it's really big events. It's it's a country. It's a very family-based country. Mm-hmm. I sometimes say that we're a bit similar to Italian in that aspect. Italians are very connected to their families until very, very late in their lives. They're still there sometimes, and Portugal is a bit like that too. And soccer becomes that event that reunites families together and mm-hmm. sometimes. And people go in on a Sunday and all the family come to, to watch the soccer. It's not very common 
to find a lot of Portuguese like me that goes away to the other part of the country yeah. <laughs> of the of the planet. So it's they're very very linked to their families and yes, yeah, so they have in the small villages such as the ones I grew up in um, is even more the case that they would even live in the same house or or, or if not in the same house it would be just next door just just the one next and they would the families would have that set of houses there and the next family would be the, the other set of houses so was was a bit like that but in australia it's completely completely different it is different yes i think people leave home early in life too here yeah i think in portugal sometimes uh children just stay in their parents till they're 30 or, right or, or even more yeah. and uh, even when they are just working already working and and sometimes even have their relationships already and they're still at home living yeah. with their parents <laughs> When I finished high school, I went to uni in Porto, and I lived there ever since I moved to Australia. So, what did you study at uni? I studied psychology. Okay. Yep. What What made you want to study psychology? To be honest with you, I don't quite remember that a specific moment where I said where I came to the decision and say, "Okay, I'm going to study psychology." I think it it grew up, it grew up in me that idea of uh, talking to people and and that dynamics of. Um, helping in a way back then was more helping we know that it's more than that these days but the helping others and being that connection with people and mm-hmm. um i think that was the main thing but i do remember my father once when i was <laughs> finishing the high school and he was asking me so what 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 now what what's next and i say oh, I'm, I'm not quite sure and my father said why not psychology and i say okay <laughs> okay. So I was going to ask you whether when you left school or were about to leave school, whether you had some dream or, or plan about what your future would be. I don't I don't know. I think for me going to a bigger city was mm-hmm. was a bit like the way to go, was was the way forth. That that step that step ahead now is is I have to jump into a big city. That is more happening in a big city. So I was a bit of a, a musician as well. Mm-hmm. So I always found that uh, you know there are more opportunities in the big city in terms of music and and in terms of you know um, everything. I always liked that city life that yeah. I didn't grow up with. But uh, I was as as a teenager coming out of the teenage years and say, wow, there is so much to explore. That I in the city I was found the city as the place of opportunities. I think in my life I always went one step at a time in the in that aspect at least. So I, I wasn't thinking too ahead, but I was just moving from this city to the next biggest city would be yeah. a good thing. So when I was in Guad, I was saying, oh, going to Port is going to be fantastic. And it was because it's, it's yeah. a beautiful city and it's a really big city. Yeah, so professionally that's, that's all happened there too. So I finished my studies there and I started working there as well. And was it easy for you to adjust to new life in Porto? It was. I'm very easy to adapt to new environments mm-hmm. uh, naturally. Uh, so myself is already part of me to be able to adapt easily. Uh, but I also had, actually, when I moved there, I, I, I had um, an auntie living there. Okay. And I actually moved to her place first before finding a place. So I, I had a bit of a connection, family connection there. So it was not that I, I went completely by myself. So it was, well, I suppose, made it easy, easier to, to have someone you know there. 
but I'm I'm pretty um, very easy to adapt to new places. I don't I'm not scared of new environments, and I would probably I think I went out and found friends straight away and went out and yeah, had right. fun in the, in the night of Porto and this kind of thing, nightlife and. I was working as um, actually I was working as a music teacher and a psychologist, okay. a bit of a blended sort of work in in the disability sector, and it was wonderful job, uh, wonderful. I, I I really enjoy it. But I got to a point in my professional life where I know I, I got that sense of being stuck, mm-hmm. and I would have many many options anyway if I were unstuck myself from that in, in Portugal. And of course, I could go and study that and doing a master's there and blah, blah, blah. And doing. But I also uh, had that other aspect of I want to study more, but I want to study in a different, how, how I explain, in a different science, sort of, uh, or, or, or in a country where, the, where I could learn something different. So okay. let's say that yeah. way. Like psychology, probably is important to say that psychology is a very, very new science in Portugal. It's not in the world. It's, it's, it's a bit new compared to other sciences, but a new profession. Mm-hmm. So um, me growing up, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't find a lot of psychologists when I, when I was growing up, and, and even in the big cities, we, we see, of course, these days is different. I felt that going out, I would develop more, I would learn more, I would get more experience in the field of psychology. So studying overseas would bring so much benefit in that aspect. But of course, I also had the other side of things, which I wanted to explore. I wanted mm. to see a different part of the world. I wanted to talk to other people. I want to see what was happening. And I always had that thing too. Yeah. I remember being in, in Sydney and I always try to stay with other people in Sydney other than Portuguese. I always try to, um, if I was to rent a place to stay, to see who was there. Because I wanted to know other people, but I also wanted to develop my English as well. Was it Australia that attracted to you, or was there um, just a particular course that was in Australia? Yep. First thing, the first idea I had, I think it's a very common thing, is United States. And I, of course, I'm so happy I did. <laughs> because when you're young, you have that thing about America and all those things, and people are telling me, oh, maybe America is not the best place to go. And, and then I, I thought about Canada. So Australia was not my first choice, but yeah. I'm so glad I, I came here anyway. But um, so and I was applying for unis, and Australia was the first one that I got, you know, the letter saying yes, you you admitted to 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 university, and and that was on my was the uh, was second on my list because my like United States wasn't on my list anymore back uh, at at that time. So Canada was first, Australia was second. Very, I was very happy to come here. Um, and that's how it happened. So I wasn't interested in going to other countries. As such, I had an interest in Canada and Australia for some reason. Australia has a okay. lot of advertisement in, and as a, an extremely beautiful country, and that is the case. It is wonderful. So we always had that dream about coming to uh, places like Australia and Canada. And so what were, your, what were some of your first impressions of Australia when you first came to study? Well, I didn't get to know a lot about Australia, Australia as such, because I was living in Sydney. Although I didn't want it to be with Portuguese, I ended up with a lot of uh, international students anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not that I had that feel 
of Australia straight away. So I was in Sydney and I had to study and work. So I was really busy. So I didn't get a, a chance to travel much during that time. It was a very busy time. But the very first uh, experience or what I think was true ex experience with Australians was in Rockhampton. Because then I went to study in uni in Rockhampton doing my postgrad in, in university there. And in Rockhampton, you do uh, meet a lot of Australians. So that's where I get that feel about even a lot of Aboriginal uh, people that I had so beautiful memories with. And I didn't know much about the Aboriginal culture back then, and, and I still have to learn a lot about it. But like back then, being just a new international person in Australia living in Sydney in Sydney you don't get that yeah. feel uh, of the country and I always had that idea and I'm very strong with this idea that when you go to a new country you should learn the ways of that country mm. although it's good to be of course connected with your culture and I think it's a beautiful thing to never you know break completely with your culture your roots but I think if I wanted to come to Australia and that's partly why I say that I can adapt easily is because I don't mind to adjust to the culture of the place that I go, in this case, it's Australia. So even if that means changing my ways to be more closer to the to the Australians. That brings us to I want Tasmania. We haven't talked much about how long have you been here now, actually? Only two years. Only two years. Yes. Okay. So is there anything that you've had to adjust to in here in Burnie? I came from far north Queensland uh, off Cairns, Atherton Tablelands. Okay. And it, it was a small place too. So Burnie is not a big city. I think it's a decent city. You you have what a city needs basically. So that's not a, it's not a big as any uh, other cities, but it's still a very decent city. Um, and I come from the city environment, so for me it was actually good to come to a city. In terms of of adapting to Burnie, um, I don't I didn't feel a great deal because the only thing would be the temperature, but I actually mm -hmm. like the cold. I love yeah. the cold. My partner doesn't. <laughs> so just because I live in Burnie, I don't feel that I have to be confined to Burnie. Yeah. And we do go a lot. Almost every second weekend we go and visit a new city yeah. or a new place or going for a walk different. So I like to explore. So I didn't, feel very different even socializing with people i found that maybe the only difference is uh, i find it a bit more difficult to find friends okay. i would say mm -hmm. only because probably I, i'm not going to the right places to find friends but uh, yeah. it's just maybe because people like to be more in their their own families and and do their own things and which is fair yeah. enough. But, but having said that i'm actually very lucky with my workmates because they, they try to invite me and, you know, to okay. just come along. So I'm not completely isolated. Yeah, yeah. I have my work work colleagues who are very, very kind and they, they try to include me in their, in their programs. Yeah. And what, what would you say would be the, the, the aspect of Portuguese culture that you would miss the most? Probably the food. The food is not all food. Some, some, some food. Okay, the main one I would say is that old place feel. Like how mm -hmm. how I say this. Like when you go to a village, to a town, to a city, to any place in Portugal, you breed history. You have a road that is that was built five hundred years ago. You have 
you look around, you have a house was built 200 years ago. You have a cathedral was built a thousand years ago. You have, you, you breed these everywhere. And although this, this is beautiful to visit, but when we grow in this kind of environment that it, it, it's just, it's, it's part of you. Mm. It's uh, even, um, I remember when I went there uh, after being here four years and I went for holidays, I was telling my people there was this smell in Portugal the smell of the country i don't know if that is is, is a real thing or not <laughs> <laughs> but i even commented that to my yeah. family and said i think there is a smell here yeah i think your shell is a different smell but i wouldn't yeah. even know what kind of smell it is it's not even a bad or, or, or wrong or you know what i mean it's not a, a better or worse smell nothing like that it's, but it's it's a different smell and the way you breed that that culture on the streets you build it on you breed it on on the restaurants you build it on the shops yeah that's say that's that's what i would uh, miss i suppose mm-hmm.